This is the Horse Radio Network. Hi, I'm Jennifer Wood. And I'm Jennifer Connor from Equestrian Businesswomen. And you are listening to Equestrian B2B, the podcast that brings together industry leaders, entrepreneurs, and equestrians for conversations about how they build and sustain a successful business. On today's show, we are talking to Holly Jacobson, a woman who has overcome some of the biggest challenges life can throw at you. She is a journalist and an avid competitor in para-reigning. Listen to hear how she has overcome her challenges, sought out a new career, and got herself back in the saddle after a tragic accident. Holly Jacobson was the once-a-week lesson kid while growing up in Connecticut. She was lucky to lease a solid off-the-track thoroughbred for a year as a teenager and rode some Arabians, both at backyard barns. During her college summer break, she groomed at a very high-end hunter-jumper barn and traveled the A-circuit. Holly was working at a corporate food brokerage when she was severely burned in a car fire. She lost her right arm, all the fingers on her left hand, and has some nerve damage in one leg. Holly moved to Boston for reconstructive surgery on her face that lasted over eight years. While there, she completed a journalism degree at Boston University. Holly has worked as a freelance writer and photo editor specializing in equestrian and disability topics. At the 2010 World Equestrian Games held in Kentucky, the 2012 Paralympic Games in London, and the 2014 World Equestrian Games in Normandy, France, Holly reported on paradressage. She has also written articles for Appaloosa Journal, Chronicle of the Horse, HorseDaily.com, Massachusetts Horse Magazine, and Practical Horsemen. Upon returning to horses, Holly showed hunters for 10 years and segued into dressage. She currently competes her reigning horse and keeps her retired 25-year-old hunter fit with Liberty Work. Hi, Holly. We are so happy to have you on the podcast this week. Oh, thank you yes. for having me. I've known Holly for a few years now through the para-reigning. And we've gotten my company actually sponsors the para reigning at Congress. So I've gotten to see her ride and compete over the past couple of years. And I've really enjoyed getting to know her and her horse and watching her ride. So Holly, I was wondering if you can tell us a little bit how you got involved with horses. Oh, like so many, I was the typical lesson kid, the once a week thing. And my mother dutifully took me around to different barns and but I ended up as a teenager getting off the track though red for a little over a year that I kept at a friend's house. And that was just like the best ever. <laughs> but it also taught me a lot about taking care of horses at home. And uh, we made our own jumps and we did, we did everything ourselves. So it was really a very blissful year. And then after he was moved along, I worked with a few baby Arabs. So that Ooh. was interesting too. <laughs> uh, very different. And then through college, I ended up working for a big time show jumper barn in New York and worked on the A circuit with them. I got to learn a lot about horse care and professional riders and the whole show scene, which just made me want to ride more that I really didn't have the money to do it. So that was basically through college. And then afterwards, when I graduated, I was trying to figure out a way I could make enough money to get horses. <laughs> <laughs> the 
But unfortunately, just a couple of years out of college, I was involved in a very severe car accident that was a car fire. And I, as Jen knows, I lost my right arm and all the fingers on my left hand. And I had a very severe facial burn, which brought me from New York up to Massachusetts for surgery, which I did over the course of about eight or nine years just on my face. And I really didn't look at horses again for a long time because it just was very depressing to me that I couldn't go back and do the things that I used to do. But being in Boston and Cambridge area was a good thing. And I ended up going back to school and getting my journalism degree. So that sort of gave me a little track to follow. Still not looking at horses. (laughs) (laughs) I was traveling around and working out and trying to get fit again. And I actually went to on a trip to New Zealand hiking and they had trail rides there. And I was like, we should take a trail ride. And it was just the nose to tail pony kind of thing. And it was a great way to see the landscape. So I got all cocky about it. And after one trail ride, I signed up for another one at a different place. (laughs) And they said, oh, we have two groups, a slow group and a fast group. And I was like, well, I know how to ride. So, of course, I opted for the fast group. And, of course, I hadn't ridden in 14 years. So my balance was terrible. And as soon as we, the horses knew where you take off, as soon as they went, I was in the dirt. Oh no. (laughs) Got everybody stopped. They got that gone in the dirt again. And my friend didn't go on the second trail ride. He had enough already. And he's, I came back to our D and D like just covered in dirt and blood. And he was like, what happened to you? And I'm like, yeah, I think if I want to ride again, I have to go all the way back to the beginning and start over. And so that's how I started my journey back. Wow. And what's your current involvement with the, in the equine industry? Well, after many detours, I actually started back in my old hunter jumper roots, and then I detoured into dressage. And now I am in, somehow I ended up in Western Reining <laughs> because I accidentally bought a really cool Reiner. <laughs> accidentally. <laughs> and it was totally not planned at all. And I was like, wow, this horse is so much fun and so cool. I think I have to do what he does and try to learn a new thing. So that's been my journey for the last four years that I've had him. Cool. And Holly's horse is a beautiful Palomino. Oh, I love that. <laughs> and never uh, in a million years that I thought I would end up with a Palomino. Like, yeah. It's not something much in dressage or the hunters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they're so yeah. pretty. Oh, Connor beautiful. and I rode together on the equestrian team at South Carolina and we're both hunter jumper background as well, but we got recruited onto the Western team because there was, there weren't enough Western riders to field a team. So yeah, we learned kind of how to rain. I don't know. I wasn't particularly great at it. 
but it's definitely different, but fun. Yeah. I think there was a Palomino or a buckskin and his name was Fred and he used to routinely (laughs) buck people off and and I could stick on him pretty good. So I always got the task of riding him before the shows and riding the snot out of him and riding the buck (laughs) out of him (laughs) for everybody. Yeah. He's like, he looks like he just shuffles the whole time. He's just shuffling with his head down and then bam, he'd get you. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny, like the quarter horses. So actually I have a, when I went there, I did the hunter jumpers thing for like a good 10 years. I found a wonderful trainer who was very encouraging. Never thought I'd come back and jump again. Never thought I would do any of that mm-hmm. or go to horse shows. And she's like, well, of course you should, because this horse really likes to go to horse shows and he's very sad when he doesn't go. So you should take him. <laughs> I was like, wow, bye. <laughs> and then I ended up with a quarter horse that was a hunter. And then when I retired him, and I was doing some dressage and then the raining people called the, well, the terra raining, they were trying to start it yeah. and they didn't have any riders yet. So they called the terra dressage people and said, would you guys be interested? And actually at first I said, Oh, Western. I don't think so. <laughs> and my friend who is a very accomplished uh, dressage and terra dressage rider, but who has a lot of uh, disability. And she said, are you kidding? They're going to give us nice horses. It's going to be fun. We can learn stuff. And I'm like, oh, you're right. I should stop being such a snob. <laughs> that was at the the first demo was at the Kentucky Horse Park during the Rolex weekend, which was crazy. Oh, wow. um, yeah, they gave us nice horses. And I'm like, hey, that. this is kind of fun. <laughs> and I sort of knew the quarter horse bodies from my hunter. So I was like, oh, this is all like, yeah, I know this. But it's funny because they say the quarter horses are they're quieter and stuff. But yeah, these rainers, they can be really touchy and they are very... They're trained to be reactive and that's what you want. Yeah. So. Well, first of all, I got suckered in because I went to a local reigning barn, a friend of mine whose stallion we were collecting at blue chip. And I said, Hey, can I get some lessons? And he said, sure. Why don't you come over? And he put me on one of the stallions who had done very well. And he was like, yeah, just do this. And I'm spinning and I'm sliding and I'm stopping. I'm like, wow, this is really fun. Yeah. So I, I'm like, you know what? Like I definitely can see myself when I give up jumping, going and getting a rainer because I, it's just so much fun, but I've, I actually agree with you as like how touchy they can be. And my husband and I have recently been watching that run for a million, the last cowboy show. And it's just funny because you can see it on there with the Cowboys like when they're trying different horses and stuff, even they struggle, like the best in the world struggle on some horses because either you click or you don't like they have buttons. And if you can't push them, they're not going to do it. Yeah. When I first got him home, I started planning to do a little dressage with him because he's very balanced. He's not that downhill. And that's one reason, like when I sat on him and he's like, Oh, he travels so light and it's really nice. And then we got him home. I was like, Oh, he's a really good rainer that I was a little scared because he was so electric. <laughs> and I was like, and we got him from Sean Florida, which I oh, really yeah, yeah. thank him very much for saying that I should sit on him. <laughs> um, and but I was like, Sean knows he's for me, right? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. But it took us in the night trainers in New York who helped me get him. They really helped me the first year slowing him down a little bit. 
because he was very just wired all the time. And I was like, what do I do with all this energy? Yeah. Um, I was like, the first thing I did, I was like, I got to get back to the gym. Like I need a core and he's going to spin me right off. <laughs> he's so athletic. He's smart. He realized that he had a different job now. And I took my stirs off for the first year. Cause he was like, mm. no, no, too touchy. <laughs> so after your trail riding in New Zealand and you kind of made that decision to come back to horses and to riding. How did you mentally prepare for that to get back in the saddle? It was hard because I was in the city and I didn't have a car. Hmm. So I was trying to find like places I could get to by train. <laughs> and I had friends with cars and they would drive me around and look at different barns that it was very discouraging at first because yeah. a lot of barns were like, didn't want the liability. They're like, we don't have a horse for you. They didn't want to deal with it. And uh, like the therapeutic barns, they're full and it's not, that wasn't really like the approach I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And I really wasn't sure like if I was going to be able to ride again, that I thought the trail riding was okay. And I thought the, the Hunter Jeffrey trainer, I, I had seen her at a show. I had gone to a couple events around and I really liked how she was coaching and I heard good things about her. So I just left a message on her phone and I said, I have one arm used to ride, want to ride again. And <laughs> she called me back and she said, I have a lovely older horse named Kojak and you should come and try him. And so I found out where her barn was at the Nipswich Mass and took the train and then I got off the train and I'm like, so where are the taxis? And they're like, oh, there's no taxis here. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I'm like, oh, well, how far is Candlewood Road? And they're like, about three miles. And I'm like, okay. So I walked there. Oh no. Oh wow. <laughs> and I think they thought it was a little crazy. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, she was great. She, you know, she took the time with me and... I really like even needed help getting on the horse. Uh, it took me about six months to even get my balance at the trot. Um, that she was like very encouraged. She was the one who eventually said, Oh, you need to take this horse to a horse show because he's bored. And I was like, yeah, I, like, I'm not buying show clothes. I'm not doing all that again. But you can wear half chats. We'll they'll borrow a coat, whatever. And of course we go to the show and he's like perfect. And I'll like reserve champion. I'm like, all right, I'm hooked again. <laughs> I just wanted to know, did you own him at that point? No, he was just a lot. I was, I started like the once a week lesson and I was actually going to two other barns. So I sort of need this patchwork because riding once a week is not, you're not going to get very far. So I was going out to Ipswich once a week. I met a woman in town that had a car and we want to go out to Concord and ride there and they had nice lesson horses. And then I actually took another train to a barn and it was actually a really not a very good hack barn. And I just really had to close my eyes going in there, the care of the horses. But there was an exercise rider from the track that taught there. And she met me and she said, oh, your balance is terrible. You need to be on a lunge line. And I'm like, yeah, thank you. And they had one decent horse. And so I'd go up there and she'd put me on a lunge line and really helped me out. And I was like, cool. So there are people, like if you just keep kind of trundling along, there are people that will help you. Yeah. That once I met Robin with the barn and the show horses, I was like, okay, I need to ride more than twice a week. So I just basically need to move out of the city <laughs> and move closer to the barn, which yeah. is what I did. 
And when you were in Boston, you said you got your journalism degree. How was your career moving along at that point? And what were you doing? Well, I was sort of now working on my degree with inter- interstitial with my surgery. So it was mm-hmm. kind of crazy. I had to like go to class with stitches and all kinds mm-hmm. of stuff that kept me busy. And I don't know, that's is not exactly like New York, that it's, they were handling it. It was okay. And at least Boston, you can get around on flight. Yeah. So, yeah. So I just sort of stretched out my study stuff. And then I had a really good writers group in Cambridge, which really helped me sort of figure out what I wanted to do. And it was just really interesting because once I started turning my way back to horses, other opportunities for writing started to open up. Okay. So then I started being able to write more about horse stuff and how to things and sort of that, you know, basic veterinary things. And I was like, Oh, this is really fun. Like I can do that. (laughs) So it was once I started back with the horses. And then I also, I was a show steward at the new in new England for a while for the hunter jumper shows. Okay. And then I thought maybe I should pursue the USEF steward program. So I went to their conference to check it out, which was really eye-opening because half of them were very encouraging and the other half were like, oh, no. I'm like, really? Because you don't really need hands to be a steward. But okay. <laughs> and they really- said no just because of who you were, not because of the job? Just how I looked. Really? I look very, I look very different different and a lot of people and it's interesting because i mean in in general most of the horse people i need are very good Mm -hmm. very accepting that it was an eye-opener it was i was actually sitting at a table where they were passing out papers and the woman next to me would not hand me papers (laughs) oh wow and i'm like wow okay we're like in junior high all right this is really bad But it was so that it was really fortuitous that I did that because we were in a car going to a meeting and we were all in different cars. And and a steward said that I met there, I said, you should go check out the Para Dressage National Championship out in Chicago. Mm -hmm. It's really cool. And I was like, yeah, okay. And I was starting to write more then. So I thought that sounds like a good topic. And I have a friend at home who's a very good professional horse photographer. I said, let's go to Lamplight and check it out. Mm-hmm. And we went out there and I was like, wow, it was not was that what I was expecting. Like I thought it would be more therapeutic sort of riding, but it's not. Para dressage is the real deal. Right. It's real horses, really good riders. And I was like, Wow. And they took one look at me and said, you ride, then you need to declassify and you need to ride here. (laughs) Yeah. So, and then I also met Mary Phelps who runs horses daily. And she said, Hey, I need a para reporter. Would you do that for me? And I was like, okay. And so I got sort of totally wrapped up in the whole para dressage thing. Mm -hmm. And that was the year of the 2010 WAG in Kentucky. So perfect timing. Got to go there. And Mary just got me press passes and she's like, go, go write, go record, go meet people, go do stuff. How cool. That's great. What a great experience to get into the sport that way. 
Yeah, and then when I saw the Europeans riding, then it was, we were like all blown away. Like, oh dear, we're way behind this. this like, <laughs> these are really, really good riders and horses. And it was, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And yeah. from there, I ended up going to the London Paralympics for Nary. And again, completely blew my mind because mm-hmm. the Paralympics are just such a huge, you know, global event. And we don't get as much coverage in this country, para athletes, and except for Decra, that it was really cool. I didn't even know that all the different para sports, like wheelchair fencing, like who knew? I was like, oh my God, these people are wild. And the whole town of the whole city of London, like turned out for us. They were just like into it. It was great. They had 10,000 people attend the para dressage every day. Wow. Wow. Yeah. They have such a strong team too. Great Britain. Yeah. They had a great team and there is a horse culture. They love mm-hmm. their horses, but it was amazing. It just was one of the best things I've ever done because they hired like all the reporters there were disabled. Like they uh. pulled out the front rows of all the seating from the regular dressage and made it open wheelchair seating. And it was packed. Cool. And they gave tickets to school children and it was just like a party. It was, and they had, they had TV cameras and fancy announcers down by the ring that I saw every day is, you know, blonde woman, very coiffed and everything. And she was announcing and like <laughs> second or third day, I see her with her legs up and she had two prosthetic legs. Like she was uh-huh. them up on the chair. And I was like, Oh, she's also a para. Like, this is so crazy. Like yeah. everyone there was just into it. So that was really fun. So when the terror raining started, I was like, well, of course we need this in Western too. So mm-hmm. that was a good thing to help out. And also Fred Wynn, who has won the championship the last few years, he came from the dressage too. And he was like, are you kidding? Let's go be cowboys and go fast. <laughs> yeah. He definitely likes to go fast. I've seen him. Yeah. Yeah. But he's also another one who's like, it, it doesn't need to hold you back. The horses can help you do things that yeah. you wouldn't be able to do normally. Do you find bookkeeping a bore or worse, a chore? We can help. Whether you need help billing or full-on bookkeeping, call or email us for a free no-pressure consultation. Let us take the fear out of your finances. Visit us today at solvebookkeeping.com. What do you think was your biggest motivation to get back into the saddle again? Was it just to be around the horses or? Yeah, uh, I really missed it. I kept trying to push it away and it just kept like coming back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Little things. Somebody would send me a magazine or I'd see something. Like I went to a knitting shop with a friend of mine and they had a poster for the Groton house three day event here. And they're like, Oh, it's going on right now here. Take the poster. You should go over there. And I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, it just kept coming back. And then once I decided that I could go and and just start at the beginning again. Hmm. And then of course, starting over Western, I feel like I'm starting at the beginning again. It's a third time. Yeah. But it's fun. It's really, some things are similar or the same, but Mm -hmm. Some things are not (laughs) as my current trainer yesterday was like, Holly, we need to like undo the dressage brain on you. Like, (laughs) yeah, it's hard when you've been riding in one way for so long to train yourself to switch your body position and your instinct for things is 
really hard to undo. Yeah, the bad habits always come up when you're... <laughs> the Western and dressage actually is very similar body position. I wish I had started with either one of those because the mm-hmm. hunter thing is like, I mean, jumping is great, but it doesn't really do much favors for basic training. Mm. Yeah. And Juice lets me know, so it's... Um... <laughs> But he's such a great horse, too, because not only is he such a cool, flashy show horse, he totally tolerates the learning on him. Mm. Like, he doesn't get mad. A lot of really nice horses don't like people making mistakes. And he's like, okay, try again. (laughs) But you have to be pretty good at your circles if you did dressage. That has to be a plus for you. You know how to make a circle. Right. Yeah, actually, my tr- the trainer I work with in Florida, he was like, I wish all my students had the pattern placement that you do. And I'm like, <laughs> like Freddie and I did dressage. We know we're 20-meter circles. Yep. Sure. 100% what Jeremy had said to me when I went and took lessons with him. He was like, nobody knows how to make circles like that. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like, like a simple thing, but it's really... Yeah, I finally yep. realized that's why the judges sit up in the tall chair so they could look down and see exactly where you are on the, you know, on the dirt. It's like, oh, okay. yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I know you talked before about challenges of actually finding a barn, but what are some of the challenges that you have when you're at the barn? Well, I really do like to do my own horse care and be hands-on as much as I can. I really like the relationship with the horse. And uh, so I do, I am able to do most of my things. I can do my blankets. I can hose him down. I can, I can catch him from the field, which actually Juice lately has not been letting anybody catch him. <laughs> but certain things like some gate latches, like just drive me crazy. Or if I'm going to be at a barn for a while, I'll bring like cross ties that I like or the barn where I keep my retired guide, the owner has put up latches all over the place that are easy for me. So I can, if I need to bring anybody in or out, I can, it's easy. So there's just, you have to sort of work around things. One thing I cannot do though, is lift that Western saddle. Oh yeah. That's <laughs> so I always funny. have to wait for somebody to either help me get it on. I can sort of pull it off if there's a stand that I can't like He'll put it away. So that's like my only, and like, thank God for Velcro boots. I can't do polos anymore. I can't do all those things or my nemesis. Yeah. Yeah. How about bridling? Are you able to bridle? Yep. Yep. That's not mm-hmm. a problem. I can't braid his hair. So it's nice when I go to Florida, I have one of the other voters, older lady there. She loves to work with Juice's hair. <laughs> she's always like conditioning it and braiding it. She's like, do you mind? I'm like, no, this is great. Thank you so much. <laughs> it's a big help. That's awesome. And you said you work for horses daily and have gotten to attend the Olympics and championships. Are you mainly a freelance journalist still now or the career path that you have taken? Yeah, I've slowed down a little bit. I've had some eye issues this year, which really stopped me in my tracks a little bit. It's been better lately. I was really scared that I was going to have to stop driving and things, and that was going to really mess up a lot of stuff. And it's hard with the raining because of the dirt and everything. So I have to wear glasses that are kind of sort of sealed up, but not totally. And it's good because it's indoors usually in an arena, which is good because I don't have the sun. But my eyes are, are a little tricky. So I am still doing some writing projects I have right now that I have probably cut it in half because I just haven't been able to even be on the computer as much. 
but I really love it because then you get to, I have friends that are driving, do a lot of uh, competitive driving now and wasn't something I was really that interested in, but now I'm learning so much about it. I'm like, Oh, this is kind of cool too. So <laughs> it's like, you get to learn other people's lives, which is really fun. Yeah. So. And Holly, what did you do prior to your accident? What was your career that you were trying to make it so you could afford horses? Well, I graduated, um, from college in 84 and had a couple of corporate jobs and I was working actually at a food brokerage, which seemed like a, a decent place to start, but I had only been there a short time before my accident. So I really didn't have much time to get going. So I don't know. I don't know where I would have ended up actually. I didn't really want to be like in New York city, but I started just exploring well, it seems like your career now has led you back into the horses. So what you wanted before actually has come true because you're in it, right? Yeah, it was, I sort of, yeah, sort of came in backwards in a way. I was <laughs> just doing my lessons again and and I was leasing the horse at Robbins for a few years and then he was older and he did colic eventually, had a Cushing's for a long time still jumping and still like galloping on the beach and <laughs> doing all sorts of stuff that I didn't really have money for another horse. And so I was like, Oh no, what do we do now? And she came out, she said there was a, this quarter horse, his name is shadow who had belonged to two sisters at the barn that both outgrew him. And then they were keeping in that their dad's polo barn across the street and she said, I, I had an epiphany last night that shadows across the street and he isn't doing anything. And he kind of jumps your height. So maybe you should like try it. <laughs> and he was like, nothing like the nice horse I had been riding. And I was like, he was very spoiled. He had terrible manners, atrocious manners. <laughs> His girls had spoiled him horribly. And he's a chestnut. He's a redhead. So he's got that. I tried to give him back like three times. I was like, I don't think this is going to work. <laughs> and they had used him in the lesson program because he was very honest. He always jumped, always did his lead changes. Like he was a, a good boy that way, but he was very uncomfortable. All the older ladies were like, I love jumping him, but he's killing my back. Like just horrible. Mm. And he was really rude, but the girls and the dad, they were like, they wanted him to stay around and they were like, just keep trying it. And like, you can just, pay him off in installments and whatever. And I'm like, Ugh. but eventually I was like, the trainer said, just take a lesson every day for a week and let him show you all the good things he does. Hmm. And I did. And I was like, all right. And it took about a year to reform the bad habits. And I still, to this day, he's 25. Now I still have to like keep the boundaries because he's just pushy, pushy. <laughs> but he's very fun. He's a lot of fun. And I ended up, and this is really kind of fun too, a little tangent that after he went lame and had some breathing issues eventually, and he's quarter horse, he jumped a long time and he's not built for it, but he was really a good jumper, but he kind of paid the price at the end. He was obnoxious if you just keep them around turned out. He's just really annoying. So I finally started doing groundwork and I, there's a woman in our area who specializes in liberty work and trick training and stuff. And he loves it. Oh, how cool. 
And it really opened my eyes to all the other things you can do with them and how to assess them and see what their mood is and their bodies or how they're moving and how my body language, like, I think I'm pretty good. And she's like, no, slow way down, slow everything down. The littlest thing they're, they're watching you all the time Mm -hmm. and he'll let you know. So, and it was really hard because I don't have the two hands to use like the the long lines and the sticks and the, mm-hmm. everything with the string. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is like crazy. So when we finally got to the point where we could graduate to real Liberty, it's much easier if I just have my stick, Yeah, but it, you got to work up to that. And that really also helped me with juice, my Rainer, because he's very different. He's not bossy, but he's very, reactive. Okay. So I hired her again and I said, okay, I have another quarter horse, kind of the opposite. <laughs> and she said, oh yeah, he's very worried about everything. Like he's very professional in the ring, but outside he sort of had the cowboy handling and Jose Vasquez read him and showed him originally and I met Jose and I thanked him very much for my beautiful horse. And he said, yep, I rode him really hard. <laughs> I said, yeah, I, I kind of know. So it's been really fun because that was a big breakthrough with Juice because he was so skittish around just everyday things. Mm. Like the riding was okay, but he didn't have to be so afraid of the world. And now he's a little, he's getting a little cocky now. (laughs) But it's really fun because everywhere I've taken him, everyone's like, oh, he's so relaxed with you. I Mm. said, yeah, because I pretty much tortured him for like six weeks with all kinds of stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Did you clicker train him? No, I haven't (laughs) done that. That would work with Shadow probably really well, too. (laughs) My retired standard, Brenda, he was not a big fan of clicker training. No? No, he was pretty sure he was trained in enough things, and he didn't really need to do that. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't try. Somebody was borrowing him from me, and she was in the winter, didn't really want to ride, so she was trying to do Mm -hmm. something like at Liberty Free Work, and she had the clicker, and I guess he was... Not very happy about it. It's funny because, like I said, Juice has been hard to catch lately outside. He, he likes his little freedom. And so one of the workers there tried to take food out. And I said, oh, no, now it's a game. Now it's just a game. He thinks it's hilarious. And he's really <laughs> agile. It's like, you just take off. And it's like, oh, man. But because of the groundwork, I mean, it did take me 40 minutes the other day. I was like, really, dude? Because this is pretty bad. But then the next day, it took me about two minutes. So, And usually he'll help me, actually, because he knows I can't do the lead rope latch. Like, they turn out with halters. I don't usually do that. They're afraid they can't catch them, so they do. And I can't do the latch. It's cold. I got a mitten on. And he'll stand there, and he'll put his chin out so I can thread it through. He's a good boy. And he did get loose once this summer. The barn we're at now, thank God, has a fence that encloses the whole property. Because he had gotten loose a couple of times in New York and scared the hell out of me that he would run into the road. Was it up at the Hoyts? Yes. Yeah, they're right on the road. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, we had a little incident with the trailer. He like came barreling out one day. I don't I have no idea why. I was there. I don't know what set him off, but something. He thought he was caught, I think, in the halter. And he came barreling out and he like took one look at the road and I'm like, oh my God, don't. And he went the other way into the woods. Huh. So where we are now, like he 
it was a little bit my fault. I had the halter tied to the stall and he felt the pressure and slipped the halter. And he's like, ha, goodbye. And he was running up and down and doing sliding stops and fancy rollbacks and just being hilarious. <laughs> and I'm like, you are too much. And finally, I just, you can't go after him. So I, I was trying to get his hit, but we were in a narrow like alleyway. And I finally, I just started backing up. And he was like, oh, then I supposed to come to you? Oh, okay. <laughs> and I still had the bridle in my hand because I had never gotten it on. I just held out the reins. And he's like, oh, I put my head in. Okay. <laughs> that was a pretty meek surrender, buddy. But I think it was from the groundwork because otherwise there's no way he would have yeah. done it. He thinks he's pretty fancy, doesn't he? It's funny. When we did the groundwork for the first few days, he thought we were going to kill him every day. He was like, my God, these ladies are insane. (laughs) (laughs) Step over a pole. He wouldn't step over a pole. He was like, no way. Can't do that. I'm like, really? Because it's a pole on the ground. I think you can do it. (laughs) And anything behind the shoulders, you put up the bag, anything. You couldn't touch his legs. I mean, with a stick, he was, ah, you're going to kill me. So after that, 10 days he's like all right you're not killing me but you're weird okay so every day we just bring out new stuff and he was like okay fine (laughs) he did yeah and then he started getting a little playful then his little personality started coming out he started trying to bite you a little bit like a little lady and i was like oh no we're not doing that (laughs) and i have to watch that a little bit and i noticed like we actually just had to change his turnout because he was next to another juvenile delinquent and the two of them (laughs) were like pulling each other's blankets about you know just oh and when i went out to get it his halter's on one ear i'm like you're really making things difficult now (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but he's so just i feel very blessed because he's the whole package he's a good show horse that he's really fun to be with and he's very cuddly very sweet very gentle just wouldn't he's always trying to like touch the cats in the barn he's like a cat (laughs) and dogs kids he'll put his head down a kid could stand there and pat him all day great but men in hats anybody moving fast people with stars he's like Mm. not sure about that (laughs) (laughs) what would you say your biggest riding accomplishments have been i think it's just I don't know, just the small things that I guess at this point, just because I've done a little bit in everything, mm-hmm. <laughs> sort of, that's been, it's been fun to touch different, the different disciplines, but I wanted to always have, get really good at something. So this will be, hopefully, if I can keep juice sound and keep that going, so I think we're starting to get there, starting to get better. Do you have any future goals with him? Yeah, I'm hoping this year we can really break out. We finished, we money out of green this year. We won the Decker thing, so that was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. With a good run, it wasn't, I didn't have to fuss with anything on that. So that was really fun. I don't know. I think just keep going. It's, it's what gets me out of that in the morning. And he's such a hot ticket. He gets me in the door everywhere. It's like, <laughs> I have the trainer in Florida is really great to work with. And we're actually going to split our time this year in Florida. And we're going to go to Ocala to Sean Johnson's because he has a covered arena. Oh, and my eyes, I'm like, Oh, the shade. Yes. 
I had con I'd reached out to him last fall or summer to see if, if he would have room. And he said, I've seen your horse. You can come. <laughs> it's How like cool. everybody loves Jews. I had a, that come up right up to us at Congress when we were just schooling and he's, he knew who he was. And he said, I took care of his mom at the end of her life. And oh, yeah. I was like, so it's really, it's just then a very unexpected detour <laughs> into mm-hmm. the whole Western thing. And I, I really want to say that people that I met are so nice. I mean, it's, I really like the shows and the really relaxed atmosphere and everybody cheers for everybody. It's, I mean, I like my tarot dressage. People are great. And I have a really good, a lot of good friends in dressage too, that it's a different vibe totally at the shows. It's fun. I, I enjoy going and watching. And you get to wear much more fun clothes and colors. And <laughs> yeah. I try to go easy on the sparkle thing, but it's hard. It's getting harder. After your, you talked about your accident and then being in school and having surgeries and, and then getting back into horses, what kind of path was it to get back into the full-time work and, and to be able to kind of balance the career and horses. I don't know. It just sort of was like a step-by-step thing. I was, I didn't really plan much at all, mm. but it's, I meet people and then certain doors start opening and, and I was, you know, willing, I was able I think to travel more easily then it was easy to like fly out of Cambridge and Boston just to like get on an airplane and go and do things. So that was made it a little easier. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I didn't really plan too much. I'm still not planning that much. (laughs) (laughs) Just sort of one thing leads to another. Yeah. But I love how you've tried all of these different disciplines within equestrian sport. And I think that really can help you. It's like traveling and seeing different cultures. <laughs> That's exactly. what I feel like. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, barn is like its own universe. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and yeah. The, the dressage, it was funny because I overlapped that when I sort of saw the tarot dressage, I was really interested in, and mostly writing about that at the mm-hmm. mostly just really interested in meeting that the athletes and the riders because they have so many amazing stories and it's just crazy. And then I started a little bit of dressage with the Dutch couple up in New Hampshire. And then that helped my jumping a lot. And I was like, okay, yeah, there's something to this. Okay. Right. But it was, it was difficult to find the right dressage horse, especially missing an arm. I think if I had an elbow joint, I would have, then okay to use a prosthetic arm but without that we tried to rig all kinds of reins and things and i had some nice horses that sort of would go along with the one arm but it was just really hard to find <sighs> horses that were nice enough to show that didn't want to kill you it's yeah. <laughs> they had the power that the one yeah. blood thing is difficult for me i've never I've taken care of a lot of them and they're all sweethearts on the ground, but to ride them, I've never really mentally clicked with those warm blood types. So I was looking mm-hmm. for a kind of a cross that mm-hmm. I think that the reds and quarter horses are just, they want to work with you. They're workaholics and they're, 
they want to try to please. I did write a lithazon for a little while, which was really cool. So cool. And that sort of opened my mind to the rogue breeds because they're very, it was very different experience. He is so focused on the rider. Yeah. And you really feel that you're like, whoa, like he's all about what I'm thinking. Yeah. That was, it was a little different. But he didn't, read, like to go, he didn't like to go off the property, so that was the problem uh, with him. <laughs> I read an interesting article that you wrote about that. I think you were in a clinic, and they talked about a way to adjust the reins. I think you said you were nodding the reins, and they mm-hmm. came up like uh, with an idea for like a bar or a horseshoe shape handle mm-hmm. for you to hold on. I think there's a lot of things... Uh, that para-riders have been able to come up with or be able to help with their riding. Are there examples like that that you've had while riding or even technology that you use in your career? To me, less is more. It's like you can get sort of wrapped up in a lot of stuff that becomes very complicated. Mm -hmm. And I've kind of learned that. So it's like even like using earphones on the computer. It's just like, okay, that's another thing I have to deal with that is difficult. Yeah. I hate even switching all my sunglasses, my indoor glasses, my outdoor glasses, my driving glasses, the riding glasses. I'm like, ah, things like that. But yeah. And the reins too. Yeah. That was a big thing. Michelle Asseline, who's the coach for the U.S. team now, I did a couple of clinics with him, and he's pretty sharp. He coached helped the British team, triple gold. Yeah. And he's just said he took one look at me, and he's like, get two range. You're going to struggle your whole time. So we tried to do that, but I just, it wasn't as comfortable. I don't know. I just couldn't get the right feel that I wanted. Mm-hmm. And it all depends on the horse. Like, if you had the right horse... Yeah, but then what happens if that horse gets hurt or sick or it's a lot where at least with the reining, I'm like, okay, you're already starting off with one arm, so one hand. Right. It's still a little, as I, obviously I realize training, everybody uses two hands. And actually my trainer now ties to Rot, who is wonderful and very, very patient and really tries to think outside the box with me. He's like, let's just take the reins away, like. You just need to ride off the leg for now. Oh, wow. And I'm like, uh, yeah. Was that scary? Yeah. 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 Even yesterday. Yeah. He's like, I just, he's lengthening my rein all the time. And yeah, eventually I would love to be able to, you know, ride like those cool rainers do with a really long rein and everything that I'm like, all right, Jesus, do I trust you? It's getting colder <laughs> now too. So <laughs> And he's like, yeah, you should get on and there back. And I'm like, you get on and there back. And he's like, I don't ride there back. And I'm like, oh, you want me to do it? No. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I haven't really, it took me a long time to find a saddle, actually, a Western saddle. Everybody's like, whatever. I'm like, no, it's like dressage. It's like, you have to have the right balance because my balance is thrown off. I have a leg that has nerve damage and I don't have good feeling in it. So okay. I tend to like lean <laughs> a lot, yep. which some of the Western trainers really weren't telling me that. And Ty was like, oh my God, stop leaning. Like it's horrible. And he helped me a lot. Like he pulled out probably a dozen saddles at this barn for me to try different mm-hmm. ones. And I kept going back to his old stock saddle that he uses to break colts. And I'm like, I don't know. This is the one I like. Yeah. And 
he finally sold it to me. I didn't think he wanted to, that he did. So. <laughs> yeah. I think if it's something that makes you comfortable and secure then. Yeah. And I think the horse liked it too. Like there was a couple mm-hmm. saddles I tried where he just seemed kind of really balled up and I don't know. It's with all the pads and everything. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think the Western thing is simple. It's more simple in a way. Yeah. I do miss my hunters. Like, yeah, just not the rain. And like, you don't really have contact and they just jump through their jobs or like, they're happy. They're like, whatever. Like maybe juice will transition out at some point. We'll try some other <laughs> things with him. Holly, can you tell us about any tips you might have for people who are going through some challenging times and how they can push through? Oh boy. Uh, I don't know. I think you just really have to find what interests you, what you can pursue yourself that whether it's art, whether it's music or travel or I don't know, everybody has their things that they like that I think people were surprised that I would be out and about so much when I was doing my surgeries and things that I was like, I get so bored at home. Like you just sit at home and I like to read and everything that it's like, you can only sit in your house for so long. So I'm like, just get out there. Just put your, you have to put yourself out there. That's and see what happens. And a lot of things, a lot of people aren't pleasant. A lot of people aren't helpful. And I think, especially in the times right now, people are a little short tempered, but there are, uh, there are always people that will help you that will take an interest. Stick with the animal people. They're the best. (laughs) (laughs) What really helped me, like, even when I was doing all my surgery, when I was, like, literally couldn't, that's all I did. I would, like, go to surgery, come back to my apartment, go to surgery, come back to my apartment. And I didn't even think I could have a cat. Like, I didn't think I would be able to take care of a cat. And then they came out with, like, the clumping litter. And one of my neighbors in the building said, I'll help you, like, if you need help. So we went and got a cat. And... That was like the best nurse cat ever. Like she was so cool. She would hang out with me all the time. And I was like, and then once you have an animal, it's like that sets your timetable. Like you have to get up and feed it. You have to like, you know, be there and you have another little being. And so that's sort of like really just started me back on like, yes, you can interact with other things and people and do things and it's fine. So I don't know, just find whatever your interest is and find a group, find a person, find, go out for a walk. I don't know. Just get out of the house. (laughs) (laughs) What inspires you? I think, like I said, like meeting these other para athletes, like that I just had no idea because you don't see people day to day. You you might see somebody in a wheelchair or whatever, but you don't really know what's going on with them and to really find out their backstories and how they live day to day life, which is incredibly difficult in a lot of ways. And it's funny because most of these people really don't complain much at all, especially if you're at a horse show or something, because they're getting to do what they love to do. And that's then, you know, what they've been working on. But it's amazing to me because they put up with so much and they don't complain. And then you see people whining about, you know, the stupidest things. You're like, really? <laughs> eh, I don't think so. So it's, it's really been an honor to meet so many of these people. 
And the people that are impatient with you, I find it hilarious because anybody can have anything happen at any time. And you may be in a situation yet you didn't realize and become disabled and for whatever reason. So I just, I find that, you know, I like the perspective that people have sort of been through it because mm-hmm. they get it. Yeah. And it's also easy to recognize the good people who also get it. It's like, or mm-hmm. who are interested or curious or just helpful, just nice people. Yeah. It's like, okay, yeah. you're a good person, <laughs> but it's, yeah. And then you can get rid of the jerks. <laughs> totally I think waste time on that. that's something we need to do all together. hundred yeah. percent. Yep. <laughs> I was say. yep. Sorry. Don't have time for you. Goodbye. Yeah. Next, yeah. next please. Yeah. <laughs> well, usually at the end of our conversation, we ask the same three rapid fire questions to each person. So usually Connor starts with the first question. Okay, Holly, what is one action that women can take to make a big difference in their lives? That's a big one. I don't know. I think supporting other women. I think that's one of the ways to help people. Yeah, I think helping others helps yourself too. Yep. I think in a way it's a safer space. I don't don't know if that's a weird thing to say. A safer Mm -hmm. space for women to help each other because we have to navigate a lot of things that men do not. So Mm -hmm. I think, I don't know, listening to people is a good thing. Yeah. And what is the best habit that keeps you motivated personally? I'll go back to the animals. I don't have many cats right now because I've been traveling so much with juice, but yeah, like I know I got to get out to the barn. I got to go feed the old one. I got to go do something. It's like, to me, that's the best thing in the world is like, to get up, watch the sunrise and not wanting to do it when it's really cold, but (laughs) yeah, making time for the animals in your life and and having that responsibility. When I lost my last cat, I realized like he had the running the whole household all lost (laughs) without him. We're like, Oh man, where's Lou? He he was like holding us all together here. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) The last question is what's your favorite horse movie? I always like, of course, that first half of that black stallion when they're in, it's just him and the kid on the beach and there's no talking. It's so great that I really also love, there's a British movie called champions with John. Hurt, yes. The yes. chase movie where yep. they use the real horse that won the grand national. And it's oh, like, wow. and it's a true story and it's filmed by the British. So it's really well done. <laughs> And it has an American slice too, because he comes over here for a little while and goes back and it's like, yeah, that was just a really cool, <laughs> even my non-horse friend was like, that was really well done. <laughs> <laughs> so on our last episode, we were talking about the horse movies and I had already given a huge list of ones that were my favorite, but I had left off champions as one of my favorite movies as well. <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot of my favorite movies, horse movies. <laughs> I don't know. I I couldn't go, I couldn't watch the Secretariat movie because like that was like when I was growing up and watching that all real time. And 
I collected all the secretariat things and I still have all the like newspaper articles upstairs in a scrapbook and I wrote to them and pictures. And then I went, so this is another tangent story. When I was very depressed after my initial hospitalization and I was, didn't really have a face and I was like, what am I going to do? This is horrible. One of my nurses said, what's something you always wanted to do and haven't had time to do? And I said, I always wanted to go visit secretariat and his retirement and then at Claythorne. So she's like, you should do that. And I'm like, you're right. So I dragged my mom down there. <laughs> Who is She likes horses too. So I shouldn't say drag. So we arranged to go and like, I literally had no face. I mean, it was really terrible. Mm-hmm. And, um, you make the appointment and you go and it was kind of raining that morning and there were only, uh, my mom and I, and one other person, the stallion managers are so nice and they take you through and you can see all the stallions and they'll take them out. He brought secretariat out and gave me a piece of his tail and like, oh, wow. like that. And it was like, it was really cool. It was just a very fun thing. And I thought, Oh, he looks so great. He's going to last a long time. And then the next year he died from the mitis. that, so that was just a very cool, fun thing that we got to do. And, Horse related again. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's, <laughs> That's so great that you got to, that you made it happen and you got to meet him. Yeah, it was, it's, and like I had such good nurses in New York and like I am still really good friends with two of them because they were animal people <laughs> and they, we were all around the same age then too. So it was like, they were, and they were just really outstanding. So actually my one friend is going to help me drive to Florida and she's met Juice, and she's, like, oh. following all the adventures, so. That's great. Cool. So it's all, like, in a weird, it's not a full circle, but it's a back-and-forth thing. Yeah. Everything leads back at some point. I know, to the horses. It's all mm-hmm. horses. Yeah. <laughs> well, we had such a good time talking with you today, Holly. We really appreciate you joining us and, and telling us your story and and letting us know about para raining more that I think a lot of people may not be aware of. Well, I should also, I'll just add a quickly about para raining. Like I think like we had a small group this year, we had a bigger group a couple of years ago that I like, I really support it because I just think it's a lot easier with the quarter horses and the Western saddle for people. And you know, like, I don't think it's as known that we actually had two girls contact us after the championship asking about it. So cool. Like, yeah, very good. Very good. So that's, I just think it's, it can open more doors for people that maybe don't have the stamina to do a full pattern or can work their way up through it. And I just, it's just a cool collection of people that are willing to put in the effort to do it. Yeah, I know. I'm so proud that my company has supported it and I've been so inspired by all the people that compete in it. So thank you so much for coming on Holly and sharing with us. Well, thank you for having Decker help us along and (laughs) broadcasting it all. So that's great. Yeah. 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 Well, best of luck in your travels to Florida and maybe we'll see you along the way as well. Yeah, I hope so. Very good. Thanks so much. First of all, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to Jennifer Hoyt. She helped get me in contact with Holly and get her on the podcast today. She 
is a big part of para reigning. She does a tremendous job working on the sponsorships and she deserves to get a little recognition while we're talking about para reigning. I loved hearing Holly's story and what really struck me was all of the different disciplines that she got involved with. You know, she kind of came from a hunter jumper background and started out in that when she got back into horses after her accident, but it's really led her to lots of different places in the equestrian world. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah. I kind of like how she was talking about when she got out of college and she was looking to do something that so she could afford horses. And then it like, she had her accident, but she's completely involved and immersed in horses now in her life. Right. And I think that just speaks to like the equine industry And the animals themselves and how therapeutic they can be and how good they are for you. Totally. I've heard that from other para riders that horses are what saved them. And I mean, that it's proven that it helps with physical disabilities and even mental issues. And I just, I think they're just so special and it's cool to hear somebody's direct story with an experience like that. Yeah. Coming back to it, trying all the disciplines. And I think it's funny that she's in reigning now and her horse is like, he is so fancy (laughs) doing it. And it's really, they're fun to watch. I know she faces challenges at the barn. You and I were chatting about how in everyday life, there's challenges that she has to face. And Mm -hmm. so it probably the barn is just another hurdle that she gets over easily. Yeah. I've talked to a couple of friends and I think we've talked about, I haven't ridden much in years and whenever I think about it, it makes me anxious and nervous. (laughs) (laughs) And I, yeah, her story offers a lot of perspective on that in terms of getting back on the horse and, you know, not being scared and just going for it because the rewards that come from it are probably a lot more than staying away from horses or staying away from riding because you're scared or nervous about it. Yeah. I mean, and I know she's fallen off. I mean, she talked about going on the trail ride and falling off several times and just pursuing through it. And, and we think about, okay, we've got to go to the barn and we've got to do this. And how it is hard, but then at the same time, you look at somebody like her who has so many challenges and she just does it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really inspiring. Yeah, I'm very inspired by her and I'm really glad that I get to be part of the para reigning and through DECRA and their sponsorships towards it and that I get to watch and be there at Congress and it's mm-hmm. a pretty big deal. So it's really great. And they're an excellent group of people and they really, they really inspire me. I thought it was great too, how she ended up kind of on a whim going to a para dressage show and then getting totally immersed into that. Like, I think maybe when she got her journalism degree, it wasn't, she didn't plan to go and write about horses all the time. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> she went there and, and it turned into a big, a career move for her to be able to report and write about the sport, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. I liked her story about going to London Mm. and just, you know, how every aspect of it was 
para driven. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's just so good. I'd love to see more of that here. Yeah, definitely. Like I know how much the para dressage sport, at least in the high performance well, and at non FEI levels has grown so much in the U S I think the last time they medaled at a Paralympics was in Atlanta. And that was when they all rode borrowed horses. Oh yeah. I could, I can't even imagine like having to even get on a horse that you don't know well at the Paralympic games. (laughs) And now the team won the bronze medal and, and Roxy Trennell won two individual gold medals. And the whole program has become so elevated. Um, recently and it's so cool to see yeah i mean do you remember back in college when we'd have to wait for the draw and stressing out about getting on horses that we didn't know (laughs) and and we're able-bodied people and we were jumping three foot like we weren't going into the olympic games (laughs) so yeah it was great i love talking with her and and learning more about a sport that i really didn't know much about yeah it was great find the links to today's guest and the show notes at www.eqbusinesswomen.com. Equestrian B2B is out twice a month on the 1st and the 15th. You can find out more about Equestrian Businesswomen at eqbusinesswomen.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Find Equestrian B2B podcast wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to follow, subscribe, and leave a review. You can have all 20 plus shows of the Horse Radio Network with you wherever you go with our free app for iPhone and Android. Go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network. Now go support Parasports. Sports.